Welcome to another episode of Tank Talk. Super excited to be here with you today to talk about a whole lot of stuff that's going on in our fish keeping hobby, as well as a three-part topic suggestion from the YouTube channel members Discord uh, that we have set up exclusively for channel members. And the person that put in this topic suggestion sent in three things. And I'm going to address all three of them. It should be a lot of fun. But before we get into that, I have what could be the biggest update for you that I've ever had since we moved to this property. The last update that would be to this scale is when we announced that we were building a fish house. It, well, the, we didn't build the building, but you know what I mean. We were turning a building in the property that we're buying into a fish house, which is what I am sitting in here today. This one is the biggest since that announcement. And if you watched our video on Sunday, you already know what that announcement is. We got a pond. We got a pond built on our property. This is the most excited I've been in a very, very long time. Why? Because I don't remember not dreaming about having a pond on my property. I've always been fascinated with backyard ponds, koi ponds, all of that, that next level of this hobby. I've always dreamt of having a pond, but I've never been able to have one because Lisa and I have always rented. And that's just been the way it is. Once we finally bought our place, which is this one, it was time to start seriously talking about building a pond. Uh, I alluded to it in the video. If you didn't see that video, you should go watch it. I spent a lot of time on that video, but it was part one in the series of building this pond. Uh, it's two parts, Part basically day one and day two. They finished the project in two days, and I decided to break it apart into two videos because there's a lot that goes on. It's an involved process in building the pond, so I thought it was fitting to have it in two videos. And I alluded to it in the in that video that I've been talking to the folks over at Aquascape about this pond for almost a decade. 2015 was when Ed Ballou approached me at the Aquashella, or not Aquashella, the Aquatic Experience in Chicago. And he surprisingly knew who I was. He's a friend now, I see him all the time now. But back then, all I knew Ed from was that TV show. If you didn't know it, uh, the folks at Aquascape had a television show. It was only six episodes, but it was called Pond Stars. And this was in the, the heyday of the show Tanked and that other, um, what was it called? Aquarium Living Color? Living Color? I don't know. I don't know what that uh, other show was called. But the, there was two aquarium shows and, uh, and Pond Stars and... So Greg came out with Pond Stars, and it was awesome. I loved that show, and it broke my heart that they didn't continue on with it. I've actually talked with Greg about that, and it makes total sense why they didn't continue on with the show. But anyway, that's all I knew Ed from, Ed the Pond Professor from that television show. And now he's approaching me saying, hey, I've seen you on YouTube. And that was a really, really big deal for me. Um, 
And in that conversation then, in 2015, he was saying, we should come out to your place and do a pond. And I said, ah, you know, as much as I would love that, we're renting. And I don't want to put a several thousand dollar feature in the yard of my landlord because it's not like you can pick up a pond and take it with you. I mean, I suppose you could, but who would want to do that? I've never heard of anybody ever doing that. So we had to wait till we got our own place. We're here now, and we've been talking with Aquascape ever since. I've sent Greg Whitstock, the owner of Aquascape, I've sent him multiple videos of different locations that we could put it at our house. And, uh, you know, he's only able to see what he's able to see in videos. So he would be like, hey, that looks good. That over there looks good. You know, we'll figure it out. It wasn't until Micah from Easton Outdoors came here, who is the Aquascape certified contractor that built the pond. He came out and on the first consult, he was like, okay, being up there at the fish house, that would make a lot of sense. And that it would look good over there, but we really need to put it over here. Look at this spot. This is perfect. And he could not be more right. I am so thrilled with where the pond is right there next to our house. We get to see it all the time. I'm, oh, I am so stoked about this thing. I can't, I can't even tell you. I am not being silly when I say, and I'm not embellishing when I say, this is the realization of a lifelong dream for me. And I'm so happy that it's finally happened. And I'm so happy that I've been able to share it with you. This is a big deal for me, but there's a lot more to it than what has been shown already. Part two comes out this Sunday, and then there's going to be another video that's going to be about the fish. And the fish is a whole other story, and I don't want to give it away. There's only so many different types of fish you see in ponds, right? I mean, we're not going to be pioneering anything here, but it is going to be a little bit different from what we originally planned. I originally planned... I'm going to fill this thing full of feeder fish. I thought that would be really cool. I still think that would be really cool. I think Tanner just did that with his pond, which is like, oh, but it's okay because we made the decision to not do that. And we were going to do another thing because when Micah from Easton Outdoors was here for that first consult the same day, uh, he said something. We were talking. And he just mentioned something as, as part of talking about something else. And Lisa said, wait a minute, what did you say? And he said, oh, this. And Lisa said, that's what we need to do. So it's same kind of fish, but it's a different angle as far as how we're acquiring those fish. I can't wait to show you. At the time of filming this podcast, we are supposed to go and get those fish tomorrow but there's supposed to be really bad weather. John, why would weather matter? Well, when you watch the video about the fish, you will understand why the weather plays a role. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. If, if we are not able to do it tomorrow, it's gonna be a while before we can do it. Uh, and so I really hope that even if the weather is bad, we just suck it up and do what we gotta do. So you're not gonna be seeing the fish tomorrow but we will hopefully be getting them tomorrow. You'll see them in a future video. And then I've decided to do something with this pond, uh, with videos of this pond. And I've, I've never really done anything like this on my channel before, but I've seen it done 
on other channels and I've absolutely loved it. One of my favorite channels on YouTube is a channel called RR Buildings. They build buildings. That's what they do. And they're out in, um, I don't even know. I want to say it's like Montana or Wyoming. I don't know. They're out there somewhere. And uh, they build these absolutely amazing buildings. Uh, and it's just two guys that, you know, they've built buildings that I've watched on YouTube that are like 100 feet long and 80 feet wide. And just two guys build the entire thing. And when they do that, they document all of that on video. And they do a really good job of documenting everything. And it's he talks about all of the different things. It's a beautiful, beautiful channel. I love it. I, I don't know them. I've never met them. But it's one of my absolute favorite channels on YouTube. What he does, uh, the guy's name's Kyle. He will film the entire process of building the building and film commentary while he's doing it. So he'll be up in the... Uh, in the lift thing and he'll be putting on the trim and he'll be explaining how he's doing that while he's doing it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a tutorial type thing. And that's awesome. And he does that through the whole process. But then at the end, he'll put out another video that there's no commentary on whatsoever. There's just the whole time lapse of the entire building being built. And he'll put some nice music on it. And it's, you see in one video, you see start to finish, bare ground to finished building. And I love that. Those videos are awesome. I watch them while I'm eating dinner. It's, it's absolutely amazing. I'm thinking about doing that. I'm not thinking about it. I'm going to do that with this pond build. Uh, I've got so much footage. My cameras, two cameras were rolling throughout the entire two days. I've got like 18 hours of footage of this pond build and I've got drone footage. I've got handheld footage. I've got the footage. So what I'm going to do for the, the final video in this whole thing, I'm going to have a, a time lapse of the entire build and it'll probably end with the fish in it, but it won't be the fish video. You understand what I'm saying? There's so much that needs to be done with this pool uh, pool with this pond. Uh, we got to put plants on it. We got to landscape around it. it. This is the start of a massive project in our yard. And the pond is kind of that anchor of it. And now everything goes out from there. So when it's all done, it's not going to be 100% done because we're going to be landscaping around it for years. But uh, when the, the main, fun, you know, main structure and the fish and the, or the the plants that are in the pond and immediately around the pond. When all that's done, I'm going to put it all into one video. It's not going to be 18 hours long. You know, I mean, I'm going to try to keep it to maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes, but it'll be the whole process without me rambling on and on like I am now. Just some nice music and you just watch three guys build an absolutely amazing pond. So be looking forward to that. Be looking forward to the fish video. Uh, again, it's going to be a really, really cool video. And take a look at the videos on the Easton Outdoors channel. They are putting up basically not the same videos, but they're putting up videos about this project just like I am uh, when we, I can't talk about that, but <laughs> there's 
you know, basically everything we've done, they're doing too, and they're doing it from their perspective. So it's a really cool thing to be able to see a project from basically two different angles. They got all their own footage. They have, you know, all their own stuff. So you should definitely check that out too. I'll put a link to the Easton Outdoors channel uh, in the description of the, the, the video as well as the podcast show notes. Uh, check out their channel. If you like ponds and you like watching the whole process of ponds being built, you're going to love that channel. Micah is really, really good at what he does. And they have an amazing crew that's out there building these ponds. So you can't go wrong. If you like that kind of stuff, you will want to subscribe to that channel. I'm not asking you to subscribe to it because I told you to. I'm saying if you like ponds, then check that channel out. I think you'll like it and I think you'll want to subscribe once you see it. All right, now let's get into the main topic today. This came in from Victor Claudio. Again, this is from the members discord. If you are a channel member of this channel, you have access to the members only discord. And there's a page in there where you can submit your suggestions for topics for this podcast. Victor did that and he sent in three, even numbered one, two, and three. The first one is, are high-tech setups beneficial or just for lazy people? Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is an interesting one because I talk about kind of both sides of this hobby. I talk about how I like the gizmos and gadgets. I like fancy things, things that have lots of buttons and touch screens and, and all this kind of stuff. But I also like to keep things absolutely as simple as possible because you know the simpler that it is the easier it is to understand and the the better you understand this hobby the more you're going to be involved with it when things get complicated that's when you can start to just kind of lose interest because it's just too overwhelming um so i i know i know both sides of it i have fancy equipment on some of my stuff the the saltwater tank has you know, things that I can hook up to Wi-Fi and I can adjust flow of the the three pumps that are on it and, and all of this stuff. I've got the gadgets. I've got the lights that you can hook up to an app and set up your thing and do all of that. I've got all of that stuff. Um, I also have tanks that are as simple as simple can be. Do I like one or, over the other? Hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean... As I said, I like gadgets. The pond, I'm gonna do a whole video about the equipment on the pond. I've got like dosers and I've got this system that, that uses copper to combat algae and it's all automated. And I've got all of these screens that I can touch buttons and make adjustments and hook it up to Wi-Fi. The lights in the pond, I can turn on and off with my phone. It's got some gadgets on it. Does that make me like the pond more than if it was just a bare bones thing where I had to go turn a dial to make adjustments and stuff? I don't think it does. I just think it makes it neater and cooler and fancier. I mean, it doesn't make me like it more. I didn't ask for those things. Uh, same with the saltwater tank. They just kind of were part of the deal. And I looked at that as a big bonus. Like, oh, it's got all that fanciness. That's cool. I was excited about that. Uh, 
I would not have been less excited if it didn't have all that stuff. I hope that's, I'm making sense. But what I'm getting at is I like it all. I like the gizmos and gadgets and I like things simple too. I uh, recently got a new truck. Uh, another dream of mine that I've had for a very long time. The last truck I had, I got in 2010 and it was, it was my baby. Lisa was, I think she may have excused herself at the dealership and maybe uh, cried a little when uh, saying goodbye to that truck because she bought that truck for me. And, uh, and it was a very special thing and it made it difficult for me to get rid of that truck too. But it was a, a Dodge Ram and it was pretty basic. I mean, you know, as far as gadgets, all it really had was power windows and cruise control. I mean, there wasn't, it was a real nice truck and I loved it, but it didn't have all the things. This new truck that I have has all the things not all the things. It's not like it's a Denali, but it, it has the the windshield wipers that automatically come on when it starts raining. It has the high beams that I never have to turn on or off. They just, that does it all automatically. It's got the big screen with my, my Apple phone, like on the screen. And it has all the things I, I can text and drive using my voice. Uh, it, it, it's got when I'm driving down the road, if I start to, to veer off, it turns the truck back into the lane for me to help me stay in the lane. Lane keep assist, it's called. It's got all the gadgets. And when it comes to an automobile, I love all that stuff. I, Lisa could care less, but I'm in there and I'm like, look this button, look what this does. And I don't know, it's just one of those things. I feel like I'm Michael Knight riding in kit. I mean, I just feel like it has all this cool stuff and I absolutely go crazy over that stuff. When it comes to aquariums, I'm the same way, but I'm also not. Just like I loved that Ram that didn't have all of the fancy gadgets, um, I, I still loved the truck. It didn't have all that fancy stuff, but it was still my girl. And I did not want to get rid of her, but I, anyway, we don't need to talk about all of that, but I loved that truck. I love the new truck with the gadgets. I, I love it all. Do I think that gadgets or high-tech setups, I'm sorry, we, gadgets is next. High-tech setups, is that just for lazy people? No, but it is for uh, people that have a lot of money. Because when you're talking about high-tech setups, I'm assuming you're talking about like everything is on a controller, everything is all automated, your fish are fed and you don't have to do anything, the lights come on and off, the pumps fluctuate in their power throughout the day depending on what time of day it is, and you've got a, you know, doser for, you know, pH additives and all this kind of stuff. You've got all that stuff on there, you never have to touch your aquarium. All of that stuff costs a fortune. Does it work? Yeah but it costs a lot of money. So I don't think it's for a lazy person. I think it's for a rich person. <laughs> you don't have to be rich, but you've got you've to have some expendable funds to be able to throw that kind of money at the, all of these controllers and all that stuff. The prices for a lot of that stuff is coming down because the technology is becoming easier to manufacture. And so a lot of that stuff is, is coming down. I mean, if you remember, 
it was not long ago, the lights, in order to get a light, an aquarium light that would hook up to an app, you had to go to the highest end of high-end lights. Now there's lights that are $49 that hook up to your Bluetooth and do all of that. Uh, so the, the, the cost is coming down. And I think in a couple of years, everybody's going to be able to afford the fancy high-tech setups. Um, and when, when they can't afford them and they start buying them, I don't think that it's going to be because they're lazy. I think the, the grand scheme of things is you'd be buying something like that to make your aquarium more efficient, not to make less work for yourself. Uh, if there was a way that I could get algae removed from the glass of my saltwater tank and not have to do it, I would absolutely pay for whatever tool that is that would do it. Is it because I'm lazy? No, it's because I just want that tank to look good all the time. You know, we never get guests here, but I would love if a guest spontaneously showed up to be able to come out here and just know I'm not gonna have all that algae on the glass because whatever robot it is that I paid $1,400 for cleaned it off this morning because that's what it does every single morning. You know, it, it's to have it done and not have to worry about it. Or uh, if it's with saltwater tanks, they've got all of those dosers to make sure you've got the right levels of all the different things for the fancy reef tanks and stuff like that. That's, that's not being done because of laziness. That's being done to make the tank more efficient and to keep the, the, the corals and all of that happier and healthier. It, it's a different thing. It's not for laziness. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think high-tech setups are certainly beneficial. I don't think you have to have them. Um, it takes a lot of more work if you don't have them, which that kind of does mean you'd get them so that you can be lazy. But I don't think it's that way at all. I, uh, you know, this tank behind me, I set up the easiest water change system in the world. I love it. It works beautifully. It's great. Did I do that because I'm lazy? No, I did it because I want the tank to look good more. And so I can come in here, I can do a 50% water change in this tank in 30 minutes and not even touch a drop, drop of water. Because it's that easy, I'll do it more. That's not necessarily a high-tech setup, but it kind of goes in line with what we're talking about here. Because I could have put, uh, what is it, the Apex system. I could have put a fancy controller on there to do what I did for me. It would have cost a lot more money, and then you would have called it high-tech but it's basically for the same purpose. I hope I'm making sense here. When I get gadgets and things like that, it's for efficiency as much as it is cool factor. I don't think it's laziness. And number two on Victor Claudio's suggestions, gadgets and gizmos that could help your tank like UV, CO2, wave makers for beginners and advanced. All right. We've just spent the last 15 minutes talking about gizmos and gadgets. Um, I probably should have planned that out better. I kind of addressed your first question and your second question all in one. But what he's asking is, which ones can help your tank? 
which goes to exactly what I was just talking about, which can make your aquarium more efficient, uh, whether that be for beginners or advanced or people that have money and people don't. Um, there's plenty out there. There are the ones that are like super simple, like lights that have uh, the, 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 you know, the schedule on them and you can set them all up and do all of that 12 hour schedule or a 16 hour schedule or whatever that, that that's kind of one of those. And that can help because if you're having an algae problem, like I am in my saltwater tank, you can set the lights up so that your lights not on as much. It's on enough to keep your plants happy and stuff like that. And if you're a saltwater keeper, keep your keeper, keep your corals alive um, without bombarding the tank with light, causing all of that algae. It's one of those things that can help. Uh, I personally am somebody that when it comes to lights, I like to just walk up and turn them on. Um, I'm not all that concerned with it, you know, doing a sunrise and a sunset and all that. Yeah, that's cool. And I can understand why people do it. But for me, it's either the lights are walk up and turn them on or they're on a timer. This tank that you see behind me has four Luma lights on it. And I have them plugged into a power strip. I walk up and I turn that power strip on. Boom, the lights come on. It's that easy. Could I put them on a timer? Yeah, I could. But I don't mind walking in and doing that. So anyway, gizmos and gadgets that could help. Uh, the first that kind of goes along with that. I am a big fan of those Wi-Fi plugs. You can get them on Amazon. They're super cheap. Um, you're not hurting the fish industry if you buy that product off of Amazon. Otherwise, I would direct you away from Amazon. But these are things that you can hook up uh, to an app on your phone and you can control your lights that way. They're very inexpensive and you can, you can hook them up to a lot of different things. Whether it be a wave maker, you might have a, a circulation pump in your tank that you don't want to run 24 seven. You want to kind of control the waste or something like that. And uh, you want it only on for a couple hours a day, hook that up to one of those uh, Wi-Fi dongles or whatever you call them. And you can, uh, you can do that with your phone. That is a gadget that can definitely benefit people. And it's very inexpensive. You're not going to want to plug your heater into that. You're not going to want to plug your filter into that because those are things that you're going to want running all the time. But your lights, a, a circulation pump, something like that, it's definitely going to benefit you. Uh, if Whether you're a beginner or advanced, you know, the more you can get hooked up to your phone and make it easier, the more you'll do it. Uh, CO2, I would not consider CO2 to be a beginner thing. Uh, now, you might be somebody that keeps Oscars, bikers, and severums like this. You've never had a live plant in your aquarium, and you have no interest and don't even know what CO2 is. <laughs> it's basically putting real CO2 into the water of your aquarium to provide nutrients for the plants, to accelerate plant growth because plants feed off of CO2. Um, there are a lot of systems out there that are kind of beginner friendly. They're made for beginners and those are great. I've used a couple of them. They're fine. One of them I'm not all that sure of, uh, but I know Fluval makes a setup that it's just a little cylinder, like the kind of cylinder you would use in a, a paintball gun. 
and it hooks up. It's a very simple thing. I think it's like 90 bucks or maybe, maybe a little cheaper. And you hook it up to your nano tank and you get CO2 in your nano tank. It's cool. Wouldn't do a, wouldn't do anything for a tank this size, but, um, you know, CO2, it's kind of one of those things. I would not call it an advanced hobbyist thing, but I also wouldn't call it a beginner hobbyist thing, if that makes sense. Um, there are certain plants that will tell you it's, it requires CO2, and those plants are going to be kind of the advanced level of plant keeper anyway. So uh, for that, it's kind of an advanced thing. But I don't even know what I'm saying here, but you have to be at a certain level in your plant keeping hobby to even want CO2. Uh, people that come to me and say, I love Tropica plants. I want to order a bunch of Tropica plants from you, but should I set up CO2 first? I tell them, no, buy plants that don't require CO2. Get used to, like I did, get used to keeping plants, keeping them happy, how they work, how they thrive, what you need to do to keep them that way. Learn that first, then start moving on to some of the plants that might require CO2. There's some plants that are, they'll do really, really well if there's CO2, they'll do fine without it. If you want them to be really big and super colorful and fill up your whole tank, you're going to want CO2. If you want them to just look cool and be there and maybe not explode like that, they'll be fine like that without CO2. You understand what I'm saying? So I say learn plants first. Get you some plants like Anubias and Bacopa and Rotala and most of your crypts and stuff like that. Get those first. They don't require a ton of light. They don't require CO2. You can learn this whole game of plants and then add CO2. Uh, I would not, <clears throat> I mean, you're asking gizmos that can help. CO2 can certainly help some plants, but other plants will do completely fine without them. So not really necessary. If you have a beta tank and all you have in there is a crypt and a nubius and you put CO2 in there, I would say, okay, well, it's not really hurting anything, but it's kind of a kind of an overkill kind of thing. It's putting a beta in a 300 gallon tank. Like, are you hurting the fish by doing that? Lisa would argue you are, but I don't think you're hurting the fish by doing that, but you also don't need to do that. So I don't know if any of that makes sense. Uh, CO2 is one of those things that it definitely does help, but you gotta be at a certain place in your plant keeping hobby before you do it. Uh, I didn't install CO2 in the plant room until like two months ago. You know, I'd been keeping them all throughout the, uh, for over a year, a plant room full of plants with no CO2 at all. How did I do it? I kept plants that didn't require CO2. So there you go. Wave makers. <clears throat> I don't even know that I would call wave makers a gadget or a gizmo. I think it's a necessary piece of equipment in certain circumstances. You have certain aquarium setups that require a lot of flow of the water, which your filter does not do enough of. An example, reef tanks. 
This is not a saltwater channel, but it's, it's an easy example. There's a lot of corals that need water constantly flowing across them to stay alive. If they're not moving, if they don't have that current going past them, they're, they're just going to shrivel up and die. So wave makers, I just call them circulation pumps, that's what those are going to be for. They're, they're going to direct the water. You can shoot it directly at that particular coral that needs it. And of course, it'll affect the others around it too. Um, and that, to me, that is a necessity in that kind of a situation. This tank behind me has needed a circulation pump in it since the day I got it. Doesn't need it now because it wouldn't do a whole lot for me now. But when it was a bare bottom tank, I could have used a circulation pump to push that waste over. I never really considered that to be an option because the returns are up top. They're up here. If you had an intake, like let's say there was an FX6 on there with the intake all the way down at the bottom and I'm sending the, the poop by way of a circulation pump over to that intake, well, that would make total sense. But to me, it doesn't make sense if it's up at the top. So I never installed one in there and I struggled with fish waste and leftover food in that tank every day of my life until I put the substrate in and now we're good. So uh, wave makers, will they help your tank? They certainly will in certain circumstances. If you have a five gallon beta tank and you wanna buy the smallest, most adorable little uh, circulation pump that CJ makes, I would say, first of all, good choice on the brand, but I would also tell you not to do that. You would not be helping yourself. Uh, in fact, you'd be stressing your fish out to the point where it will probably die because betas can easily die from stress. You will not want it. It will not help you in that particular circumstance. So gizmos and gadgets can help, but they can also hurt. So you have to be careful on that. If you're a gadget lover like me, be careful of what gadgets you put in your tank. And I forgot to mention he asked, the very first one he asked was UV, ultraviolet light. Uh, is this something that can help your tank? Of course it can. Does every tank need it? No, uh, there are certain circumstances in the freshwater side of this hobby where a UV can definitely help. You've got some kind of illness that's in there and you, it's, a, it's a bacteria, a virus. You wanna kill that off. You run your UV in there, kill it all off, save the day and then turn it off. It can be great for something like that. Saltwater tanks, whole different story. We're not even gonna talk about that. I have a UV sterilizer in the saltwater tank running 24 seven. Is it helping me? I guess, I don't know. I mean, it, it you know, I'm not having any major problems in there. I, I did lose one fish we talked about last week, but I'm, I'm not gonna say the UV sterilizer had anything to do with that. I, is it working? I guess the, the best way to know if a UV sterilizer is working is if you don't have any problems. So in that situation, it works. But we focus primarily on freshwater here. And in the freshwater world, okay, let me give you an example. I have three 240 gallon tanks. One is saltwater, the two are freshwater. The two freshwater ones are African cichlid tanks. You've probably seen them. I love these tanks. I'm looking at them as we speak. 
but they're behind you, so you can't see them. Both of these tanks came from the same manufacturer, Custom Aquariums. The first one that I got came with a UV sterilizer in the system. It was part of the package. I ran that and still run it to this day in that tank as part of the setup. I've not noticed one single difference with that tank versus the one that doesn't have one. Does that mean the UV sterilizer isn't working? No. I don't know what it means. <laughs> it just means that I have a UV sterilizer on that tank and I guess it's doing its thing. I don't know. It's, it's tough with UV sterilizers because you never really know if they're working or not. Um, again, unless you just say, well, I haven't had any problems, so therefore I guess it's working. Now, if you had, like I said earlier, if you had an illness running through your tank and somebody said, hey, you should hook up UV to that, blast that bacteria out of there, you hook up the UV, problem goes away, now you know that UV worked. But if you're running it all the time, you never really know if it's working or not. You're just putting it on there as a precaution, hope it does its job, but you never really know. You don't even know if it's on because you can't look at the light because it'll burn your eyes off and your head will explode. I don't know. And the last one from Victor was, why are certain tanks easier to maintain and don't give problems in the long run? And then in parentheses, he puts rimless, cubed, framed, and nano. Now I gotta be honest, Victor, I have no clue what this question means. <laughs> If the question was, why are certain tanks easier to maintain and don't give problems in the long run, and that was it, it'd be easy enough to, to talk about. But when you put in there rimless, cubed, rimless, cubed, framed, and nano, that's where it confused me. Because I've never heard somebody say, oh, you know what? I had way fewer problems when I had a cube tank or when I had a rimless tank. Are those, or is, a, is a rimless tank easier to take care of? Yeah, because you don't have all that stuff on the top. You can get in there and do what you got to do. All you got to do is reach in there. Sure, but do people say, oh yeah, if you don't want to ever have any problems with your aquarium, get a rimless tank. I don't think that's the case. So what I'm going to do here, Victor, because Victor is not only a huge contributor to our channel and the Discord, but he's also a frequent customer of our website. So I want to take care of this guy. I'm going to address your question as if the rimless cubed framed nano, I'm just going to act like that part's not there. Okay. <laughs> Why are certain tanks easier to maintain and don't give problems in the long run? This one is actually very easy to, to answer. It is all in the setup. It's all in what you have in the tank and what you have running the tank. An example, my good friend Lucas Bretz down there in Florida used to be a Midwester, but now he's a Southerner like me down in Florida. Uh, I'm not in Florida, but he is. There's a lot of tanks that he has that he never has to touch. Why? Because of the way he has them set up. He's got plants in there to combat nitrates. He's got minimal stocking, a very small fish in there that the whole tank just kind of takes care of itself. Very different from here. You know, the way he has that set up is set up 
to run itself. This tank, no way. But this tank is set up in a way to where it has very big filtration on it. It's got very good lights on it that I rarely turn on. It's got a damn good substrate in it now. And the way this tank runs, it runs very efficiently. And so I get very few problems except for the, the, the way it presents itself before the substrate went in. You know, that was the only problem I ever had in that tank was the, there was waste everywhere and it looked horrible. The substrate looked like fish poop. And, but I didn't have any problems with this tank. Why? Because of the way it's set up, because of the massive filtration on it, uh, because of the way I feed. We, we feed this tank once a day and we're not overfeeding it. We put food in there that floats on top for the Oscars and the Severums and we put food that sinks to the bottom for the bikers and the Pleco. And, and, and we feed minimally. You, the fish are perfectly healthy, healthy. They're perfectly happy. The bikers are growing. This guy right here, good Lord, he's tripled in size in a year. Okay, maybe not tripled, but he's grown by 150% in a year so he's obviously eating good for an aquarium to give you to be easier for you you it has to be set up to be easy it needs to have appropriate filtration on it it needs to be put in a location in your home where there's not going to be interference from drafts and from excess light and from too much traffic and all of that kind of stuff I mean, maybe I shouldn't have said excess traffic because that really just stresses out the fish. doesn't really have anything to do with the efficiency of it. But excess light is going to come in. It's going to make you battle algae forever. If you have a draft in there, your heater is going to blow after six months because it's going to be working too hard because there's constantly cold air blowing past those things. You know, the way you set it up from the beginning sets you up for that. You put the tank next to a window. You put it next to a drafty window or right next to an air conditioning vent that's blowing right on it. The way you set it up is why you're battling that tank. If instead you had moved it to the other wall that doesn't get that direct light and isn't next to that vent, it'd be a different lifestyle with that tank over there. Also, if you have a tank that, again, this is not the Lucas Bretz method, but if you have a 55-gallon tank and you put one little sponge filter in the, in the corner, six months later, you're like, I don't know why the fish are always dying. The tank is always dirty. It looks like a mud puddle. This thing is a disaster. Well, it's because the way you set it up, you were setting yourself up for disaster. You needed to have much more filtration on there. It doesn't matter if all you have in there is tetras. It's a large body of water. It needs to be moving. It needs to be moving through that filter media to help keep things clean, keep debris from flying all over the place and keep it from accumulating, which promotes algae, which promotes everything and causes your tank to fall apart and look like a mud puddle. You set it up for that to happen. So why are certain tanks easier? It's because they were set up properly. It had the proper amount of filtration. It gets the proper amount of light. It has the proper amount of fish in there. The amount of food that's being put into that tank every day is the proper amount. It's not too much. The maintenance 
that's done. I don't have problems in this tank because I'm adamant about maintaining it on a regular schedule. The African tanks, same way. They might present a little dirty sometimes, but the water's healthy and the fish are happy and they look good because I main I'm on a schedule with maintaining those tanks. If I wasn't doing that, I would struggle with these tanks. So filtration, setup, lighting, location, and habits of the fish keeper. Those are the things that are gonna make or break it. And the, the person who's on their game paid attention to where they were putting their tank, made sure there's the appropriate amount of filtration in there, made sure they weren't overstocking it and overfeeding it, and has a schedule for their maintenance, that person is gonna have far less problems with their tank than the person that put a little teeny filter in there that is, is rated for a five gallon tank, but they put it in a 29 gallon tank. They've got 60 fish in there. They're feeding a can of fish food every single day. That person's gonna have problems nonstop. So this is why we spend so much time on the basics, on the fundamentals of this hobby. Because if you can set your tank right, if you can set it up right to begin with, you're gonna have far less problems down the road. So it doesn't matter if it's rimless, cubed, framed, nano. Nano tanks can be really difficult to take care of. It doesn't matter which ones they are. If it's set up properly, you're gonna have far fewer problems with it and you're gonna have a much better experience as a fish keeper. So I hope that helps. All right, now it's time for one of my favorite segments every single week, which is comment of the week. And because Lisa is not with me today, I'm the one that had to go into the comment section and find these comments. And I wasn't happy about that because sometimes the comment section makes me wanna kill myself. But anyway, there's two comments today and they both came from the same video. I saw these comments a long time ago and I, I said, you know what, if I'm ever stumped for a comment of the week, these are the ones that I'm gonna address. Partly because it's funny and partly because it makes me wonder, are you for real? Like, are these people being serious? I don't know, but we'll have to see. They both came from the video where I put an aquarium in my bathroom. That's a real thing. Jay Wilson came to my house and he was like, that wasn't real, was it? I took him into the bathroom and showed him. Yep, it's sitting directly in front of my toilet. And it's amazing. I love it. Gives me something to look at when I'm in an important business meeting. But anyway, uh, it is a real thing. It is sitting right in front of my toilet on an Ikea piece of furniture and it's glorious. Had a little bit of a, a problem with algae for a little bit, but Lisa put like eight cherry shrimp in there, which have now turned into like 60 cherry shrimp. Uh, we have a bunch of snails in there, which Lisa put in. And uh, and then there's the eight land, land line, land, lake, land, I lake in, I don't remember the name of the Daniels. I'd have to ask Mark from Aquariums Unlimited, but eight Daniels in there and one guppy. One guppy that came when Lisa scooped the shrimp out. There was guppy fry in there and one guppy came in there too. So got a guppy in there now. Uh, it looks great now because we have all of those 
cleaners in there and I'm thrilled with it. And I look at it multiple times per day. But on that video, there's two comments that really stood out to me. The first one is, <clears throat> will they mind the smell? <laughs> first of all, how dare you? You hurt my feelings. Uh, you're assuming that I have stinky poops and that, that you're a bad person for saying that. Uh, Olga, Ma Megan, whatever your name is, you're mean and you hurt my feelings because listen, nothing comes out of me has any kind of odor that would bother my fish. Okay. That's a damn lie, but does it, will they mind the smell? This is the one that made me say, is this person serious? Is this a joke? Am I being punked? Are you putting me on? What, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ricky Bobby. Are you putting me on? I don't know if this person is serious or not, um, but I also don't think that the fish will mind the smell. I think this was more of a dig at me, and for that I say, how dare you? You're a mean person, but also bravo, because that's pretty brilliant. Uh, the, se the second one is uh, Mayosa666. Question. What about poop particles flying into the tank? Again, how dare you? I keep everything contained into my aquarium. Or what? Yeah, poop right in the aquarium. I keep everything contained to my toilet. How dare you? I'm not a violent person when it comes to that. There's a reason why I highlighted this one. And that is, it's not the only one. I've talked about aquariums and bathrooms before. I even scanned through Tanner Serpa's video that he did where a, a, he put an aquarium in his bathroom. Uh, he didn't copy me. If anything, I copied him because he did his like a year before I did mine. But anyway, nobody copied each other. We both just have aquariums in our bathroom. There were people in his video that commented about that. Are you worried about poop particles? Listen, I know that there's things in the air all over. And I know there's things that are in the air that could, could hurt us. I mean, a couple of years ago, we, were, we had a pretty significant situation worldwide where things were floating through the air and killing people. But there's not one second of one minute of one hour, one day, one year. There's never ever been a time where I have ever concerned myself with poop particles. <laughs> this is another one where I don't know if this person is serious or not, but I've seen this in other places. I've seen it in other videos. I've seen it in Tanner's videos. I think this is a general concern for people. Here's my, if this is real, if this is a serious person, my response to it is very simple. Um, no, I'm not worried about poop particles. And I've never heard a scenario 
ever in my life, 30 years of keeping fish. I've been alive a lot longer than that, but I've never heard somebody say, hey, you know what? It was the damnedest thing. My buddy, he had an aquarium and it was right outside his bathroom. And it turned out that he was having explosive diarrhea in that bathroom uh, every day because all he eats is Chipotle. I shouldn't say that. I've never had diarrhea after eating Chipotle. But anyway, trying to make a joke that didn't work. Uh, he has explosive diarrhea in there every day. And it turns out that poop particles were floating through the air. And they made their way over to the aquarium. And they fell into the aquarium. They made the fish sick and they all died. And, and they figured it out. That's what it was. It was the poop particles. I've never heard that. Ever. And I will also never worry about that. This is the first time I've ever had an aquarium in a bathroom. I don't know if it's going to be the last. That tank's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I will never spend any time working, worrying about poop particles with that tank. And let me just tell you something. We've got aquariums that are right outside the bathroom in this building. And it never, it, it never concerned me, poop particles. If you're concerned about poop particles, <laughs> how many times have I said poop particles? If you're concerned about poop particles getting into your aquarium, then that wouldn't just be for aquariums that are in the same room as your poop. Because poop particles, if they're particles, they'd be floating all over and they'd be getting all over the house. And you should be worrying about your poop particles affecting you more than you should your fish. No, I'm not worried about poop particles, nor will I ever. I just think it's really fun to say poop particles. All right, let's wrap this thing up and let's stop saying poop particles. Let's move on to John's world. Last week, I did Elisa's world for her in her absence. Today, I will do no such thing. Today... John's world is going to be a little, little bit of self-deprecating uh, talk here. We're going to have a nice, serious talk here. Um, I have a problem. It's a problem that really bothers me. And I have a problem that is most likely the reverse of your problem. You see, you've heard of cabin fever, right? You, people tend to spend a lot more time in their homes in the wintertime. Uh, it's cold outside. They don't want to be outside. And when I was in Virginia, it was that way. It's, it's freezing cold out there. It's 12 degrees. I don't, I don't want to be outside in the wintertime. It's not always cold like that. But in like January, February, it is super cold up there. Not Minnesota or Alaska cold, but it's cold. And so what ends up happening is people, normal people, and this probably happens to you too, uh, they spend all their time in the summer, spring, summer, fall. They spend all their time outdoors, whether it's hiking, which does it bother anybody else that everybody calls walking, hiking now? Yeah, I took a hike down the road to my buddy's house. You didn't go for a hike. You walked. Stop calling every walk a hike. But anyway, maybe you're one of those hikers that actually goes on real hikes through the woods, up the mountains. Um, or you're out doing gardening or building things, or you're just outside playing baseball, golf, whatever it is that you're doing, fishing, hunting, 
we spend all of our time outdoors in the spring, summer, and fall. And then the winter, it's too cold. So you spend all the time in your house. You people that spend all of your time outdoors in the wintertime and you live like in Michigan and Minnesota, you're crazy people. And I could never hang out with you because I hate the cold. Well, what ends up happening is, and this certainly happened to me up in Virginia, uh, we, we, we put on a little bit of winter weight, don't we? Um, not extreme amounts, but maybe, you know, a couple, two or three, 15 pounds in the wintertime. And for me, it would happen every single year. You watch my channel. You watch John. Oh, hey, John looks like he put on a couple pounds. It's always in the winter. And you then you're looking at it and it's it's crazy because I get comments. I've never had anybody comment, damn, you've put on some weight. But I always have people comment, oh man, you working out, you're 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 looking slimmer. And thank you. That always makes me feel really good. But it was always in the spring, summer, and fall, I would get comments from, damn, you must be working out. You're looking good. Uh, again, thank you. It makes me feel good. But in the wintertime, it would be the opposite. And I would go up and down. This has been my entire adult life, up and down. Put on 10, 15 pounds of winter weight and take it all off in the summer. Why? Because it's wintertime. I'm sitting on my ass in the house, not doing anything. Well, there's the damnedest thing that's happened since moving here to North Carolina. And that is that my cycle is reversed. In the spring, or excuse me, the fall, winter, and spring, I slim down. And in the summer, I put on those 15 pounds. Why? Not because I don't like heat. I love heat. Heat to me makes me work harder, makes me wanna do more things outside. I love the heat. But in North Carolina, where I live in North Carolina, the bugs are the at their peak in July and August, which are also the hottest months of the year. And so what ends up happening for me is I spend all of my time when it is summertime, the the you know, the heart of summer. I'm in the house sitting on my ass, not doing anything. Why? Because I can't go outside because the second you walk outside, you have this siege of bugs. People who have been to my house in the middle of summer, Jay Wilson, the folks from Easton Outdoors, uh, Mark from Aquariums Unlimited and, and Greg and Doug that helped with the, excuse me, with the tank, they know because they were here in those peak bug moments. And they're, all of them have said, but I wouldn't do anything outside if it was like this. I'm like, I know. And so now my schedule is in the summertime, I put on those 15 pounds. And in the fall, winter, and spring is when I take them off again. So if you've noticed, a little bit here, if you've noticed the pounds come on me, that's why. And it pisses me off because I wanna be outside. Yeah, I own a treadmill, thank you very much. I could keep those pounds off in the summer, but you know what? I don't have those winter breaks anymore because winter here, it gets cold, but it doesn't get colder than hoodie weather. And it doesn't get cold to where I can't be outside all day long. And so what I'm gonna end up doing, the way I'm gonna be living my lifestyle from this point on, 
is the reverse of the way most people do it. You would usually schedule your indoor projects for your home, painting the living room, putting down the new floor in the bathroom, replacing the toilet. Those things you would schedule for the winter time when you're trapped in the house. And in the outdoor projects, you'd be, you know, power washing the house, cleaning out the gutters, uh, building a deck, building a patio, doing those things in the summertime, right? That's how everybody does it, but not me, not anymore. It's the reverse. If I have a project that's gonna require me to be outdoors, I'm gonna do those in the winter. Painting the fish house, pressure washing, not pressure washing because uh, nobody likes pressure washing in the cold because you get soaking wet and it, you know, you could die. Uh, pressure washing, not a good example, but outdoor projects. Uh, I've got to repair the lean-tos on my barn. I'm not going to do that in the middle of summer when I've got a swarm. It looks like pig pen. If, hopefully you get that reference because that's pretty old, but just a swarm constantly of bugs all over you. I'm not going to do that in the middle of summer. I'm going to do that in the winter time. And guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be a lot more active. I'm going to be doing things. I'm going to slim down a little bit. And all of you are going to be like, hey, John, you're looking good. You working out? No, I'm just not sitting on my ass trapped in the house all day long. So nobody has said one word to me about any of this stuff, but it's just something that I thought I would vent about today because I felt like it. We're getting to that time of year where the, the, the bugs are dying down a little bit. They're not as bad. They're here, but you don't walk out and get smacked by them as soon as you walk out the door. Uh, and, and so it's getting to be that time of year where I'm going to become active again and uh, maybe, maybe take off about 15 pounds. The good thing is even now at, at 49, I can go up and down pretty fast. I'm, I guess I'm gifted that way. Uh, so hopefully in another month or so, you'll see me uh, and I'll be a little slimmer than I am now. I'm never going to be a skinny guy. I'm never going to be a Tanner Serpa. I'm always going to be a bigger guy, but not as big as I am right now. So anyway, thank you for letting me vent about that. That was a lot of fun. This was a fun episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully we will get Lisa back for next week. I don't know what we're going to be talking about, but maybe we'll get that from you in the Discord. If you're a channel member, go in there, put your suggestions, and, uh, and we might pick yours for the next uh, podcast. Who knows? But this has been a lot of fun. Appreciate you hanging out with me, and I will see you next week.